0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the BlockHash podcast, episode 379. Today, we have the Managing Director of Research at Grayscale, Zach Pandel, here to talk about the Bitcoin ETF, uh, the Ethereum spot ETF that they have filed, talk about the market a little bit, um, and kind of the nature of where they think crypto and blockchain might be going here in 2024 and some of the things that they are aspiring to do. Zach, it's exciting to have you on the show today. It's my pleasure to have you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Terrific to be here with you today.
0: Uh, Before we jump into it and get started, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, What's your background like, your story? How did you wind up at Grayscale?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, thanks for having me on. It's great to be with you and and your uh, listeners. Um, Before joining Grayscale, I was a macro analyst on Wall Street or a sort of financial markets economist. Um, A Classic financial analyst uh, looks at uh, companies and, and tries to understand stocks, uh, for example. A macro analyst looks at the economy as a whole and tries to understand uh, the performance of assets that are really tied to the behavior of the economy. So uh, currencies, government bonds, commodities, these are things that the fundamental that you're trying to understand is, is the health of the economy or, or government policy decisions uh, in, in some cases. And um, Bitcoin really, over time, became a proper macro asset. It's a, it's a major asset that my clients in my, in my prior life you know, traded alongside uh, these other things, alongside currencies and commodities, uh, for example. And I became more and more interested in, in the asset class and in, um, in making a, a kind of career long uh, bet on the asset class, but also understanding what's, what's driving it. Um, and that's ultimately what brought me to, to Grayscale, sort of applying those same uh, lessons, those same tools, uh, skills that I used as a macro analyst in traditional finance, and now applying them to uh, to crypto. And uh, you know, crypto can be a pretty confusing subject uh, for, for people. But, you know, really, I think that the same tools can be applied. And that's what we try to demonstrate for our our readers, uh, that the same kind of tools that we'd use for fundamental analysis and other asset classes can be brought to crypto.
0: Excellent. Well, what's a day in the life kind of like for you at Grayscale? Some of the things you work on uh, that you do as the managing director of research, what are some of your responsibilities?
1: Yeah, so the overarching responsibility is just to help anyone confidently invest in crypto. Um, it's a you know again a challenging asset class in some ways because it is so new from things that came before. It takes a little uh, while uh, for people to you know fully understand uh, what they're investing in, even if they can see that the returns um, are, are something that would be compelling uh, to put in a in a portfolio. So a lot of what we do is educational in nature. Uh, we try to explain to. Our investors and our, you know, potential investors, um, the technology uh, in the asset class and the use cases, you know, some of the foundational things about, uh, you know, blockchain at a high level, but also, you know, decentralized applications and everything, uh, everything else, and then we also try to emphasize what is moving the valuation of these assets around. Uh, so it's not just about the technology; it's about, you know, it's an, an investing uh, question for for us, and so we try to help uh, put that into context. Um, A good example would be the behavior of the Federal Reserve. So when the Federal Reserve raises rates, um, it pushes bond yields up, it pushes the value of the dollar up, and it can push Bitcoin down, uh, because Bitcoin is an alternative money system that competes with the dollar. And the reverse is also true. If the Fed cut rates, cuts rates, it can weaken the dollar and lift the value of Bitcoin. So helping investors understand the behavior of these assets in the same kind of framework uh, that they think about other asset classes is a big part of what we try to accomplish. And with that same goal in mind of helping people confidently invest in, in crypto, uh, we also help with things like product design. Uh, you know, there are different, many different types of investors with many different types of needs. We want to make sure that Grayscale offers a product that uh, is you know useful for investors and is a good way for them to access this asset class.
0: Obviously, you guys have been you know in the news quite a bit lately, uh, as well as back in the past fall. You know, converting your guys's uh, Bitcoin trust into an ETF that's been quite a journey, and congrats on that. By the way, it's a huge milestone for the entire industry, and you guys being a huge part of that. Um, you know, looking at some of the short-term and long-term effects of how the Bitcoin ETF, you know, might have an effect on Bitcoin. What are some of the things that you guys think, you know, might come as a result of now having this ETF as a reality?
1: Well, thanks for uh, saying that. And this is an incredibly proud uh, moment for uh, for us uh, here. And I think a big moment for for the industry. As you say, there's been a lot of sort of milestones in Bitcoin's journey to the center of the global financial system, things like the first exchanges, the first derivative products, uh, the first loans backed by crypto collateral—you know—all of these sort of steps that are sometimes lost in the the day-to-day focus on prices and, and things—you um, know—I think this is another big moment. This is another big uh, step forward for the asset class. Another uh, evidence of the maturation of of the asset class. Um, the most important implication from a structural standpoint is that investors are gonna be able to access uh, Bitcoin through a vehicle that is really convenient uh, for, for them. Um, you know, ETFs are the preferred uh, investment vehicle really for most things, for stocks, uh, bonds, and, and, and many other uh, asset classes. It's a really effective product structure. And for many investors that have uh, a lot of uh, assets Uh, They prefer to hold things together in in the same place and, and, you know, holding things uh, at an exchange or in self-custody is a a source of complexity that they'd like to avoid. One reason for that is just taxes. Uh, You know, the the ETF structure allows uh, investors to uh, manage all their assets, all their tax liabilities, cost basis and that sort of thing all in all in one place. So in in some sense, it's as simple as that, providing an efficient vehicle to provide access. Now, what about for for crypto more, more broadly? Um, I think that there are and have been short-run implications um, as uh, the ETFs were uh, going through the approval process, as the probability of pr- approval was was rising. The market began to discount uh, likely inflows into that product that we're going to be seeing over time. And I think it also, you know, the, the process was also important because it demonstrated the breadth of support for this asset class. You know, we had 10 different issuers uh, on January 11th when these uh, products launched, including uh, Grayscale. You know What that says is that a diverse set of people have taken a close look uh, at this asset class independently and decided that it has long-term merit. Uh, and I think that's just another endorsement of uh, it's the long-run investment case for um, uh, for for Bitcoin. So we'll you know see uh, the flows evolve. We'll see price uh, move, but I, I do think we should consider the ETF as a big milestone and really creating a greater access to this product through the structure that investors clearly prefer uh, for most asset classes today.
0: Nice. How would you, in a way, recommend? Like, if there's an investor, a financial advisor out there that's now seeing this and seeing Bitcoin being. Um, implemented into traditional markets, into TradFi now through the ETF um, to allocate or start to allocate Bitcoin to a portfolio or traditional portfolio? Is it, you know, best for them to go the ETF route? Should they still buy Bitcoin physically? Um, You know, how do you think that they should, you know, begin to structure that stuff if they're touching, you know, Bitcoin for the first time? Uh,
1: The first thing that I would say is, you know, try to set aside, your prior notions about what crypto and Bitcoin are, are all about uh, and look at the return qualities of this asset. You know, that's what financial analysts are, are doing in most cases, looking at different asset classes, the returns that they provide, You know how much return or yield, how much volatility or risk, and the correlations among these things and putting them together in a portfolio that makes sense for themselves or, or for a client uh, that they are advising. So I would say just do that same exercise for for crypto uh, as a start, and I think what people will find is that crypto or Bitcoin are high risk assets. That's important to stress. These are high risk, volatile assets with high potential returns and a low correlation to stocks. So many investors think of their portfolio, you know, to oversimplify, in two parts: that you have stocks for capital depreciation and bonds for. For income or, or maybe a little bit more safety. Uh, this goes into that higher return capital appreciation uh, bucket. But the important thing is that in addition to having high potential returns, crypto provides low correlation. So in a portfolio setting, that means it can add to your return, but also add to your diversification and give you better risk-adjusted returns. So I'd say that's the that's the place to start. You know, just do this do the standard statistical analysis that you would for any other asset class and, and see what. You know, crypto can do for you. Now, when we do that uh, analysis, we find that for a typical investor, there's lots of different types of investors, but for a typical investor holding, say, a 60-40 portfolio of stocks and bonds, that a 5% uh, allocation to crypto would be about the right amount to maximize risk-adjusted returns. That means as you're adding crypto to your portfolio, up to, say, around 5%, um, is the amount that you're being more than compensated by the additional returns for the additional risk uh, by, by adding crypto to your, your portfolio. There are lots of different investor types, and so we can't really prescribe that to any one person. That's just a, a kind of a optimization exercise, um, but you know, people can take a look at our work and see how it, it works uh, for them.
0: And it seems like Bitcoin is kind of just the start here, too, with the ETF. Um, Obviously, you guys have a filing for Ethereum as well to convert your Ethereum trust into a spot ETF. Um, What's gone into that thought process is because obviously Ethereum is functionally different than Bitcoin. Um, How do you guys imagine that process going? Is it going to be something that's a little bit more trickier because um, there's a little bit more? Um, thought process that needs to go into how to label Ethereum versus how to label Bitcoin. And then, you know, do you think it's going to have the same investment value as a Bitcoin ETF would?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, points to to cover there. But let me just take a moment to educate your uh, listeners about how Grayscale thinks about, about these issues. So this company was started uh, a little more than 10 years ago with with Bitcoin. And we now have... 17 different uh, digital asset uh, investment products and I expect that list to to grow over time. Um, We're putting all of these products through exactly the same uh, process that we think of as a four stage uh, life cycle. um, And that's really governed by our desire to provide safe regulated and secure access to crypto for us investors so we're you know we're evolving uh, as the the rules of the road uh, change uh, you know the products will uh, evolve so we put the products through these four four stages they all begin as private placement products uh, and then they transition to over the counter listed products so they can be traded in a secondary market and then we convert them to sec reporting companies And then finally, uplist uh, as exchange traded funds uh, on on the stock exchange. Now, all the products are intending to go through exactly that same uh, life cycle and GBTC, uh, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, the oldest and largest of these products, reached that final step on January 11th of this year, uh, trading on the New York Stock Exchange. But the intention is to put all of these products, not just uh, the Ethereum product, but all all 16 other um, digital asset investment products, through that same uh, life cycle now as you said grayscale uh, does have an active filing uh, for the uh, ethereum product and you know we expect to hear back uh, about that sometime this, uh, uh, this summer um, you know ethereum is, is of course different than, than Bitcoin and um, how I might frame that uh, for your listeners is through what we call our crypto sectors uh, effort um, so crypto can be divided into, Uh, sub-industries or or sectors in the same way that the stock market is divided into industries, Um, industrials, information technology, materials. We divide uh, equity markets into industries. We can divide crypto into into sectors. So we think of five uh, sectors, currencies, smart contract platforms, financials, consumer and culture and utilities and, and services. And you please head to the Grayscale website if people wanna dig into that uh, further. But obviously, you know, Bitcoin is in that currencies category. So it has a certain peer group. Uh, Ethereum is in the smart contract platforms uh, category. It has a different peer group, a different nature of uh, competition. Uh, and that's one of the most interesting debates, frankly, that's playing out in, in crypto today is you know the right way to set up a smart contract uh, platform blockchain um, is the Ethereum approach uh, correct? Uh, is the Solana approach uh, correct? Um, you know, how do we think about interoperability between these uh, these protocols? Uh, so, a fascinating kind of space uh, to watch. Well beyond, of course, just the uh, the ETF question.
0: Yeah, it's very fascinating, and obviously we have these. You know kind of chain wars in some ways, a lot of competition between Solana's ecosystem, Ethereum's, Cardano's, there's tons of them out there these days. Um, You know, just looking at Ethereum in particular, you know, obviously Bitcoin has value in its own unique way. Is it the smart contract component in your eyes that you think gives Ethereum most of its value or the fact that you can build on it? Um, Or or what does give it the most value? So
1: ultimately, when you're thinking about Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solana or Cardano or any, um, any uh, public blockchain, I think the way to sort of think about where the value comes from is that these are just computer networks. And they have value if people show up and use the computer networks for, for something. Um, now in Bitcoin's case, that is used for a sort of store of value and non-sovereign money system. So it's mostly about how much of it is held, less so about how much the network is used, uh, if you will. Uh, for smart contract uh, platforms, I think it is more about how much the network is used. Uh, you know, how many transactions, how many daily active uh, users, how many fees they are generating and what that means in each specific case with you know with each specific set of tokenomics, what that might mean for uh, token valuation. So it's a, a challenging question, but if I had to kind of simplify, that's how I would uh, put it. That, you know, these are networks. Um, if no one is using the network, then the token should not have uh, value, but the token should rise in value potentially quickly uh, as network adoption grows. Here in
0: 2024, it's going to be, I think, a little bit of a chaotic year, to say the least. Uh, We got an election cycle coming up. Um, Obviously, you know, crypto has been something that's in the news. There's a lot of things going on in the world, Um, a lot of potential events that may or may not impact the market, may or may not impact legislation on Capitol Hill, um, this is a little bit open-ended. I'm just kind of curious how you might think about this, looking at the the macro scale of some of the things we might be going through in 2024 down the line here, how you think that could impact the market positively or negatively, anything that maybe you're keeping an eye on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a whole asset class with... Um, hundreds of major tokens and, and thousands of tokens in, in total. So there's always a lot of things uh, going on that we're not gonna be able to cover. So let me just focus on on Bitcoin here, at, you know, start at the, at the highest level. Um, I Maybe make sort of t- two things, talk about the Federal Reserve and about the election. You know, number one is what the Federal Reserve is up to. And I think I would just really stress uh, that when thinking about what is the, you know, the fundamental drivers uh, of, of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is an alternative money system that competes with the dollar because the dollar is the world's current reserve currency. So things that are positive for the dollar tend to be negative for Bitcoin and and vice versa. And the number one uh, fundamental asset of a currency is its real interest rate or the interest rate that it's paying on, on cash and in excess of inflation. So when the Federal Reserve over the last couple of years was trying to lower inflation, we had too much inflation in the US economy, they raised real interest rates that strengthened the value of the dollar. And as anyone that has invested in crypto through that at time will know that pushed down uh, the valuations of, of crypto assets. The reverse is also true. Late last year, the Federal Reserve began to signal that it was turning its attention away from raising interest rates And towards lowering interest rates or towards rate cuts. In addition to the whole ETF um, uh, news uh, in the fourth quarter of last year, I think that this issue, this pivot from the Federal Reserve towards rate hikes to rate cuts is one of the things that helped the the price of Bitcoin. That that story is going to continue to play out this year and maybe even more so. The ETF news is now in the rear view mirror. And so I think what investors should look at is now turn to the macro, uh, turn to Ah, uh, what the Federal Reserve is doing is inflation getting under control? Are they able to lower rates or or not? Uh, is inflation still high? They need to be uh, slower uh, to cut rates. All of those things will have an important bearing on on Bitcoin. If I had to say, you know, the thing at the top of the list, it would be the Federal Reserve's rate decision. I think the election is um, also quite important, um, and you know, we don't have a opinion about political parties or anything like that, but you know, I, I do think that macro policy issues will be on the ballot. Um, the appropriate amount of government spending, um, how we will deal with trade relations with uh, foreign countries, uh, you know, other aspects of the U.S. role in the world. The next president uh, will also name the next chair of the Federal Reserve. Uh, Jay Powell's uh, term will end two years into the term of the next uh, president. So all of these issues are going to be what are on the mind of, of currency investors and crypto investors uh, heading, into, uh, heading into this year. So I'm going to be focused on those two things, the decisions of the Federal Reserve, the macro policy issues that will be on the ballot and the election that will be really driving um, Bitcoin in particular. The, the long tail of everything else in, in crypto, I see a little bit more about technological advancement and technological adoption. There's so many things uh, happening from gaming to DeFi to physical infrastructure to data storage and so it's really about you know how developers are rolling out new products and the appeal uh that those um those products are finding with um with underlying users and there's so many things working at their their own pace but uh, frankly that's what i find so exciting uh, about this uh, space is that you know mary's big macro things uh like the election and the fed with um uh, you know, micro technological developments, and and it keeps us, you know, very interested.
0: Absolutely, and it's it's been a rough bear market the last couple of years, but it's so impressive to see so many companies, large and small, that have just kept building uh, great products and great services, and have continued to develop out this space um, to the point where it's far more mature than it was in 2021. Last time we had uh, a bull market and a nice cycle, and there was tons of hype. Um, obviously I feel like some of that stuff is, you know, on the horizon here and a lot of goods coming, um, you know, for you guys in here in 2024, I don't know how much you can divulge, but do you guys have a roadmap for some things that you guys are working on at grayscale or things you want people to keep an eye on?
1: Well, I would highlight, um, of course the Bitcoin ETF, uh, which is, um, you know, now recently trading. So still young, uh, early in that uh, process, I would highlight uh, grayscale crypto sectors, Uh, Again, the the, the project that I talked about, which is, you know, a way to classify um, the crypto industry and measure the performance of peer groups and and sets of of tokens based on their kind of natural peers. Um, Please take a look at our website uh, for more information uh, on that. And from a product standpoint, we are always innovating. I can't get into that stuff uh, today, but I think you will see a lot more from Grayscale uh, over the course of the year
0: yeah i've seen a lot of you guys i saw uh, a couple of your ads in the airport about a week or so ago so you guys are definitely on the ground running with this stuff and it's fantastic congrats by the way on the on the etf it is a massive milestone
1: thank you we love to hear uh, about the ads as well we're very proud of that uh of that work
0: for those listening to the show you know education and learning is really important here on the podcast and everyone that we bring on uh so make sure to please go check out everything Grayscale is doing and their website, learn about the ETFs, um, you know, really educate yourselves and dive into the information. Um, Zach, other than the Grayscale website, is there anywhere you'd want to direct people, any, um, blogs or online documents or places where people can, you know, consume more?
1: Well, of course, the products are now available uh, in your in your brokerage account. So uh, any investor that is you know n- normally accessing an ETF can find uh, GBTC uh, alongside uh, you know all the other ETFs available to them. And I'd say on top of that, we're we're quite active on on social. Um, so take a look on uh, on X or on on LinkedIn um, uh, for continued content.
0: Uh, Zach, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for diving into all the details on you know the ETFs what you guys are working on at grayscale and, you know, your thoughts on the market and where we're going. Um, It's incredibly important to have people like you guys doing exactly what you're doing and uh, very excited to see what you guys do next.
1: Great being out with you today. Thank you.
0: Take care. We'll talk soon.